Well, tonight, I am going to do something a little different. I'm going to share the word. <laughs> That's actually not different at all. I do that every time, actually. Um, I felt like I needed to say that I was going to do something different, even though I really didn't have anything up my sleeves. My, I'm wearing short sleeves, so I don't have anything up them. I want to talk to you tonight, um, this word that God kind of woke me up this morning with, um, kind of had it um, stirring in me uh, early this morning. And uh, it's going to be, um, some of you are going to think that I'm uh, throwing it way back, and that'll make sense to you when I explain it in a minute. Um, it'll, it will make sense, trust me. I think that's the first time I've ever tried to take a drink while I was up here talking. Um, that was not smooth at all. Um, I've seen a lot of pastors try the whole drink the water and then talk. Um, and, uh, I've always been like, I'm never going to try to take a drink of water and then talk cause I see how miserable it is. Um, and I just did it and I probably won't ever do it again. Um, so I know, you know, as, as I was getting into the word today and I was thinking about, um, uh, where God was sending me in the word. I really began thinking about how that so many of us are in a difficult season. I thought about how um, we found ourselves struggling with situations that's got us maybe faced with questions or concerns or challenges, whatever, whatever those things may be. And oftentimes when we get in that situation, we start to question God and talk to him specifically to try to understand why, right? Um, that's not always a bad thing. I don't think that's a horrible thing to do. Uh, but tonight, um, I'm going to end up talking to you about something in the book of Jonah, okay? Now, just real quick, I know you guys are thinking, Jonah, man, Tom's getting really lazy because he's kicking it like he was probably reading this to his kid right before they went to bed, and he was like, I'm just going to preach that tomorrow. That's not what happened, I promise. Um, Jonah isn't a book, yeah, it was, it was two nights ago. Um, Jonah isn't a book that I frequent in the Bible, Sorry, Jonah. Um, I don't like typically read the book of Jonah. And it was, so it was really interesting to me that when I woke up this morning, I felt like I need to go read Jonah. And I was reading my devotional, read through my devotional. And as I was reading through it, I was like, I need to go read Jonah. And I got into Jonah and I started reading it. And so tonight I want to discuss, you're going to like this, um, especially you, Jody. Um, when it is well becomes it is whale. That's pretty good right there, wasn't it? You guys see that? When it is well becomes what is well. You'll get it later if you didn't get it then. Um, I want to talk to you about when it is well becomes it is whale. And we're going to start in Jonah chapter 1. Um, we're going to read verse 17, and then we're going to read the next 10 verses of chapter 2. And um, I will tell you that as God has been uh, working um, in this word, I will tell you that I don't know how long this word is going to be. Um, I am just trusting him with it. I don't have my usual notes the way that I usually do because it was just a little bit different the way I felt like God was calling some things out here in Jonah. But we're going to start in uh, at the very end of chapter 1 and read through um, the first 10 verses. Well, actually all of chapter 2. Uh, there's only 10 verses in it. Verse 17 says this. And the Lord appointed, say appointed, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. 
For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land, whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So nearly everyone is familiar with the story of Jonah, right? Um, there's, not, there's not a whole lot that I'm probably going to cover here that's going to be new to you. But I'll, a quick recap, right? Jonah is a prophet of God. God speaks to Jonah and tells him to go to Nineveh to bring the word of salvation. And Jonah wants absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, that's kind of why he got into the other boat and was like, I'm going to go the complete opposite direction. And then they had to throw him out of the boat because the waves were getting crazy because God had sent this crazy wind. And, and so they were throwing stuff off the boat. And then they all of a sudden find Jonah and they draw uh, um, uh, straws, the way I like to say it. And uh, uh, they end up saying, hey, it's your fault. And he's like, I know, I'm a Hebrew. I'm fearing God and I'm running from him. And they're like, well, we're going to throw you over even though we don't really want to. They throw him over, and it's like straight chill. He gets swallowed by this huge fish, okay? Jonah, 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 Jonah. Does that make sense? Okay. So almost everyone knows that story. And when most of us read and encounter this story, we end up taking this to be a story about telling people to stop running from God, get their lives together, and repent, much like Jonah does in this story. And that's good. That's all good. That's all okay. That's not a problem. But when I was reading this, I was really caught up at the very, very, very beginning. Before anything had happened, before God had ever brought this word to him. And I think about this. Jonah, it was well, right? Jonah was a prophet of God. He, he was literally, you think about how often in today's society, in today's church, that we cling and beg for a word from the Lord. We beg to hear from God. And here's Jonah walking in that in such a way that literally God is coming to him and sharing with him what he wants to do in Nineveh. And I thought about how he must have felt. That experience that he must have had because he, he must have had a, a completely different perspective of what was about to happen in his life. Because for him, it was good. He was following the things of God. He was talking with God. He was in communion with God so much that God wanted to go with him. And here is a man that is literally hearing from God. And I believe that he lived his life in a way that honored God. He was anointed to carry the word and he did it. And he was known well as the prophet. So by all accounts at this point, it's good. Things were great. Jonah was happy, right? And then there's this shift that takes place where Jonah gets presented with the opportunity. <laughs> I don't know that he would have called it an opportunity. <laughs> this opportunity to take the word to these, 
what I'm going to say, heathens in Nineveh. And he was terrified. He didn't want to go to them. But on top of not wanting to go to them, he didn't want them to receive what God had for them. He wasn't interested in their salvation. He just wasn't interested in it. And when he got that assignment, it was one that he just felt like it was too much for him to handle. And he had a choice. He was either going to run to it or he was going to run from it. And he ran from it. That's what he did. Proverbs 3.5 says this. And we know that it says this because we've recited this many times. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Part of the problem that we have is we are creatures who long for understanding. We want to understand. We want to figure things out. We want to know things. That all happened when Eve took a bite because that gave us the desire for knowledge and all of these different things. And all of a sudden, we want understanding. But faith and trust were never about understanding. They've never been about understanding. Faith and trust literally is about walking something out when it doesn't feel right, when it doesn't feel fair, when it doesn't feel like, it, when, you, when you just feel like it's been stacked against you. This is the moment where faith walks things out. See, if you continue to read verse 6, it says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. The problem we have as humans, we want to make the path straight. We want to figure out what we need to do to get things right. We want to figure out what we did wrong to cause this issue. And all God wants us to do is to lean not on our own understanding, but to trust him. To trust him. So when we look at this, Jonah's life takes this crazy turn. And this is where we either start putting our own preparation into practice or we check out. So I think about it like this. Um, there are a lot of people who train for marathons. Now, just so you know, I am not that person. <laughs> I have no interest in marathons unless it's a marathon of, like, the Andy Griffith show. I'm all in for that, okay? Even the black and white ones, I love them, okay? I'm all in. When you think about someone who trains for a marathon – the effort, the energy, the work, the dedication, everything that they put into that process to get to the marathon. We have a friend who recently, uh, she ran her first 5K, and she was, she was constant. She was kind of working herself up to it, and she, she started walking. And then, you know, it was like the next time after so many weeks, she was like, I jogged the first mile and then walked the rest. And then next thing you know, she jogged two of the miles and walked the rest. And she continued to work up to this constantly, working and working and working and building herself up to this place. This moment in our lives is difficult because a lot of times we're being faced with these whale situations and sometimes we're not prepared for them. And a lot of times in Christianity, we have made it okay to just kind of walk through the Christian life and kind of do the churchy thing, but never actually work on your salvation. The word tells us to work out your salvation yourself. 
And so we don't ever work this, right? We don't, we don't work in this way. And so when we get into these situations, just like Jonah's life here, right? Jonah's life takes a turn and we have to either start putting our preparation into practice or we often check out and we say, whoa, this is too much. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't planning for that. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that. And this moment is important because just like that marathon, you can train and you can train and you can train and you can train. But guess what? When you get to the marathon, you have to say, I'm in. And too often we're training, but you know what? We get into the situation and all of a sudden we're like, I don't know that I'm in. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know because right now I'm in turmoil. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in this bad spot right now. And we get stuck in this middle ground. Sometimes because we just get there and we're like, I can't do it. And sometimes we get there and we say, you know what, I'm just not prepared for it. I don't know how to handle this. This is when it is well becomes it is whale, right? This is when all of a sudden things look completely different than we anticipate. There is no way Jonah thought, you know what? If God finds me, I'm going to end up in this sea, and I'm going to get swallowed by a fish. I don't, I don't think that was on his roadmap. I don't think he was like, okay, worst case scenario, this is what's going to happen. Now, we do the what if game, right? We do the what if, and if this doesn't work out, this is probably what's going to happen. I have never, and my wife, she will play the what if game more than anyone, I think, and she has never played the what if game that said, hey, Tom, what if we get swallowed by a huge whale? That has never happened. There has been times where she's like, what if we fall out and we get eaten by a shark? But she has never said, what if we get eaten and swallowed by a whale? It's, it's, not, it's not been a topic of conversation. And sure, with Jonah, I'm sure it wasn't anything. Because Jonah had a good thing going right up until this point. He was in communion with God. And see, so many people, they want to look at life and they want to look at Jonah to say, Jonah is the man who didn't follow God. They look at one moment in his life, and this is what they do to us all the time, right? They look at one moment in our life where we mess up, where we make the wrong decision, where we go down the wrong path, or we're, we're with the wrong people, and all of a sudden, that becomes your identity. And if you look, I mean, Jonah, Jonah had some stuff going on, without a doubt. But remember that Jonah was a man that God wanted to use to go do this message, to go send this to Nineveh. And so when you look at what happened with, with Jonah and his life before the whale, before the, before the message, before the running, before the ship, was God angry with him? No. Was God frustrated with him? Was God disappointed in him? No. The problem and the reason that Jonah got this assignment, right? Because it's the assignment that drove Jonah to this situation. Keep that in mind. It's the assignment that got him in this position. The reason he got the assignment was because God trusted him. It was because God trusted him. It wasn't because Jonah was a slender man and the whale's mouth wasn't that big. I don't think that was the story. I didn't read anything about it. I don't know how Jonah was. I don't know if he ran marathons. Maybe he did, right? So here's what I want you to think about. In your moment, in your heavy, hard, confusing moment, what is God trusting you with? What is God trusting you with that he's not trusting someone else with? What is the task that he's laid before you? What is the opportunity that he has right in front of you? And you know what? You may not even be seeing it right now because it's hard to see when you're in the belly of the whale. It's like legit. Now, we have not been in the belly of a whale, but I'm telling you, it's probably very hard to see. 
And so think about that situation with where you are today. What is God trusting you with? How is he trusting you to lead in your whale moment? See, because it's in these moments that we have to shift, and this is, this is a difficult shift, I believe. And I believe that in all of our lives, we will take a moment where we will have to do this. You need to take a shift from believing in something to believing for something. It's one thing to believe in something. It's another thing to believe for something. See, because when you believe in something, it's easier to say it. It's easier to just feel good about it when you have to just believe in something. But when you have to believe for something, it shifts the entire environment. And this is where we have to be invested into our faith. And sometimes we haven't made the investment in our faith to believe in something because it's very hard for us to believe for something. It's so hard to believe for something. I began to think about um, heavy machinery, like in a warehouse or in a facility of some sort. And I think about how dependent people become on machines, right? I mean, I, I, I told you about the crazy cool machine that I went to that like flips up exactly at the right time and it like it sends the box down the chute depending on what region it's going to. And I think I even told you about how um, they ship out of bags and they ship out of boxes. And so I would watch the boxes and the thing like flips up. It was kind of fun. I wanted to ride on it. They said I wasn't allowed to. Um, and so it was like flip up and the box goes sliding down really cool. But they do bags too. And what was interesting about the bags is he told me with bags, we had to measure them differently because there's more friction on a bag sliding down than there is on a box sliding down, which I thought was so cool. And so he's like, if you watch, the bags will go up a fraction of a second sooner than a box does. And I just sat there and watched it. And sure enough, the, 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 the bags would just go up just like a split second before the boxes would and they would fall in. And as I looked at that machine, I said to him, I said, what happens if this thing goes down? And he was like, don't ask me that question. He didn't want to talk about that. He didn't want to think about that. Because they were so dependent on this thing to literally run almost everything that they were doing in their operations. There would literally be people all throughout the building that would put it on a conveyor. And all these conveyors would meet at this big hub. And this hub would control everything that happened from that moment. So if the hub stopped, everything stopped. And so what they would do is he would say, we do everything that we possibly can to make sure that this never goes down. So they maintain it. They work on it. They check the belts. They check all the gears. They literally go through and they grease everything. And they make sure that it is never going to go down. Because if it goes down, they know how much money they're going to lose, how much time they're going to lose, and everything that's associated with it. They put such an importance in this. See, when faith requires tangibility... It changes the way that we treat it. See, a lot of times we don't feed our faith. We fall victim to just trying to live our life and enjoy God's creation, all those things. That's good. We, we should do all those things. But we need to be feeding our faith. Because when we feed our faith, it helps to make sure that that machine is up and moving every time that we need to switch from believing in something to believing for something. And all of a sudden what's happening in so many lives is that we find ourselves being faced with a need and all of a sudden we're now trying to tap into this faith engine that we haven't talked to, we haven't worked with, we haven't, we haven't done anything to it all up in this time. And then all of a sudden we're like, God, I need faith right now and we're missing it because we haven't done the work to prepare for it. We have to be a people that are feeding this into the machine. 
We have to feed our spirit because when your spirit is fed like that, your spirit will rise up and it will do things that you could not ever imagine it was capable to do. We've seen that in the last few weeks. It is absolutely insane how your spirit can step in like this. When faith begins to take on its true place of being your sole provider, you will find yourself spending more time encouraging your faith and feeding your faith. See, because constantly we, we are being in, in, inundated. Yeah, there we go. Inundated with so much. And we are feeding our spirit with things that our spirit doesn't need to feed off of, guys. And we need to start recognizing, you know what, this is good for my spirit and this is bad for my spirit. And I don't, I don't want this. Because you know what, in my time, in my whale moment, in my situation, when I step into it, I need to be able to encounter that with the word of God. I need my spirit to rise up and I need to be able to encounter this like I've never been able to encounter something before. And the whole problem with it is we don't know what's coming. See, Jonah didn't know there was a potential that he would get swallowed by a whale, right? He had no clue of that potential. And too many of us have found ourselves coming up against these types of moments and we're unable to weather the days because we haven't invested enough into our faith. See, we have to find this balance between the life that we have to live here and the life that we are destined to live in the kingdom of God. Because there is a balance, I believe, because there are things that we have to do, right? I can't decide I'm never going to check my mail or pay my bills because I'm too busy praying, right? I don't think they accept that. Do they have a little checkbox that says, sorry, I was praying um, as to why you didn't pay your bill? I don't think so. I don't think that's a thing yet. I don't think it's a thing. And part of what we need to do is we need to stop waiting for those moments, See, we wait for those moments and then we try to tap into the well that we've got, right? We try to tap into the well right when we hit those moments. Um, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Because what I think we need to recognize is that we need to understand the reality of this threat in our lives of the enemy. I've told you before that he hates you. That he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your future. He wants to destroy the opportunities that you have. He wants to destroy your destiny here. And he will throw everything that he possibly can at you to derail you from that. And 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, right? Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So get this, the devil's real and he's seeking to devour you. And a lot of times we're not preparing for it. I, I was uh, doing some research. I was thinking about our military and at the last count that I could find, we have like 1.3 million people who serve in the military. That's a lot of people, right? Like 1.3 million people who serve in the military. And some of them may be fighting in a war right now. But a lot of them, you know what they're doing? They're preparing for a war. They are preparing for a war. And we 
need to start recognizing this threat is out there, and we need to start preparing our spirits, preparing our hearts, preparing our minds for war. Because we are sitting aside and we are waiting, and then all of a sudden we're getting smacked in the face and we're saying, oh my gosh, God, what are we going to do here? And see, we need to start doing the work now to prepare for this. Because Satan, listen, um, I, I had it asked to me this way once. Um, someone that I knew was experiencing something incredibly difficult. And this person honored God, loved God, seek God, stayed in the word. I mean, literally in the word. And they were coming under such an attack. And they looked at me and they said, I'm just frustrated. And I said, well, that's, it's okay to feel frustrated. You can feel frustrated. And uh, I said, well, here, and they said, well, here's why I'm frustrated. Why is this person who doesn't honor God, who doesn't love God, who doesn't read the word, who has nothing, they, they care nothing about the kingdom of God. They care nothing about honoring him with, his, with their life. Why are they fine? I'll tell you, that's a tough question to answer. Because when you think about how difficult that is in that moment, because you have done everything that you know to do, you, you've been pouring out, you've been staying consistent, and not just, in, just being consistent all of a sudden in a moment, but being consistent up until that moment, that all of a sudden you're faced with this and you're like, why me over them? Why does this happen? And I said something in that moment, and I said, don't you know that you are a threat? a threat to the kingdom of darkness. See, we get so caught up wondering and begging God, why me? Why am I in this situation? Why have any, and you know what? God probably ain't got nothing to do with it because guess what? There is an, our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so all of a sudden when he comes up against us, we throw our hands up and say, where the heck did this come from, God? And God's like, uh-uh, <laughs> this ain't on me. And the reason it's happening is because you have the opportunity to impact the kingdom of darkness in a way that Satan knows what you could possibly do to disrupt his mission here on the earth. And we have to start saying, you know what? We, we need to start seeing these situations and saying, you know what? No. Satan, you're not going to take me out in this moment because I know. And, we, and guess what? You are going to see people prosper. And they're going to do just fine. And they're going to seem like everything's just going their way. But in the end, we know the way the story ends, guys. And so when we face with this, listen, we, we have got to stop believing that God wanted us to just enjoy the earth and life and rainbows and unicorns and realize that we are destined to rise up and fight a war. Because there is a war that is waging for your family. There is a war that is waging for your children, for your friends, for your community, for your state, for your country. There is a war that is wage, that is just, it is just roaring on. And so often we're just trying to cover our ears and cover our eyes until all of a sudden we get hit on the side a little bit. And we go, hey, why the heck am I being drugged into this? <laughs> we're being a drug into this is because we are supposed to change the situation. We are supposed to change the environment. We are supposed to do that. We are supposed to walk that out. But you know what? We can't do it if we're just 
acting blind to the threat. We're acting blind to the war. We're acting blind to the things that are here. And we start taking this sword right here, guys, and we start living and wielding it and using it like crazy. Listen, you don't, the, the thing about the word of God is that you don't have to be the most skillful person in the world with a sword to be effective with it. You don't. A lot of people think, you know, listen, if I had um, a really, 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 really sharp sword and I had never picked up a sword before in my life, I could do some damage with that sword still, right? Like, I, come on, give me a little credit. I could do some damage with a sword, right, peeps? Come on. You guys are quiet today. Um, I could do some damage with a sword as long as the sword is nice and straight. Now, I will tell you a story of some not very sharp swords, okay? When Bethany and I were, uh, we had only been married a couple years, I think, maybe just a couple years in, um, we took a trip to New York City, okay? New York City, big time, okay, me and Beth. We stayed in Connecticut, and we would take a train up to New York to actually see the city. And um, we came through Chinatown. Has anyone been to Chinatown, New York City? Anyone? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I know you've been there. Uh, Beth's like, I was there once, I think. Um, you were there. So we're walking through, and um, I love to negotiate, okay? I, lo- I just I love it. It's fun. It's fun for me. Um, and we come into Chinatown, and we're just looking at different stuff. And uh, Beth was looking at a purse. This is how it started. Beth was looking at a, uh, this purse there, and it was like, I don't know, 25 bucks or something. I don't remember what it was. It was like $25. And we were like, she was like it. She's like, I just, you know, Bethany is one that she wants to see everything before she buys something. Like she has to make sure, like, because if she bought it and then she went somewhere else and she found one that she liked better or something that she liked better, she'd be like, I wasted my $25. Like she won't do it. And so she would rather like walk through the entire city of New York and then be like, can we go back to that one place? And I'm like, girl, I don't even know where you're talking about right now. It's so gone, right? And so uh, we we come in there and she's looking at this purse and um, the guy comes up to me and uh, um, uh, he's like, hey, you like this purse? And uh, I was like, I mean, I don't really care about the purse, you know. I'm like, yeah, I mean, whatever. Um, and uh, um, he was like, next thing I know, he's like, $17. And I was like, is this a thing? Like, can we do this? Is this, is this like, legal? You know? And uh, um, then, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't play it off stupid. I was like, oof, I don't know, about $17, you know. And next thing I know, we negotiated and got it for cheaper. And I don't think she even had a choice at that point. Now that I knew that he was, I could get it for cheaper, I was just buying the daggone purse, right? So we bought the purse, and she kept it for many, many years, actually. Oh, you still have it. She still has the purse, people. That was a good investment. Winning. Um, Me, on the other hand, if you've ever been through Chinatown, there's really not a whole lot for a dude to buy, okay? (laughs) There is Chinese food. But see, we did go to a Chinese food place. It just freaked me out. I don't want to talk about it. Um, I literally almost puked in their bathroom. But but there was only one thing that caught my eye going through Chinatown. It was a set of swords. This is the stupidest impulse buy that I have ever bought in my life, people. Swords, okay? And so, so as we're walking, I see these sets of three swords, and I was like, I want those swords. 
Like, there, there's no reason for me to have swords, people. Like, I, I, I don't have one single reason for swords, but I was like, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to buy swords. And I knew I could negotiate. The problem was, is we were pretty early into this whole New York City thing. And do you know that once you buy something, you have to carry it with you everywhere? Carrying swords with you all through New York City isn't the easiest thing to do either. So, so I ended up buying these swords, but what I'll tell you, and I know, I don't know how I got on my sword story, but um, what I'll tell you is with those swords is they were dull. They weren't effective at all. They were really no good, and there was no way I could ever sharpen those swords. I mean, it was like they, they were literally dull for a reason. The only thing that was sharp on them was the very point. But what I was getting to is that with this sword, it's already sharp. He's not waiting for you to anoint it. He's not waiting for you to bless it. He's not waiting for you to do anything else but wield it. You don't have to have the most perfect approach. You don't have to have the perfect grip. You don't have to have the perfect stance. You don't have to have any of it. All we have to begin to do is realize that we are in a war and be willing to wield the sword of the spirit. We need to start wielding this. Now, I know I looked really silly through New York City carrying those swords on my shoulder, but how many of us in our walk with the Lord look silly because we don't have the sword on our shoulder? We are not prepared for most of the battles that we go into because we're not doing the maintenance piece with our faith. We're not pouring into what this word says. And I'm telling you, we need to rise up and be willing to fight this war because Satan wants nothing more than to destroy you and destroy your family. And I don't say that to scare you or to spook you or anything like that. I say it because I love you and I want you to understand that when things go wrong, it's not because God hates you. It's not because God wants to punish you. Things go wrong because guess what? Life in this world, I put it very bluntly. Bethany always yells at me when I say stuff like this. But life in this world often sucks. <laughs> there are very bad days. There are very bad weeks. There are very bad months. There are bad years for people. But what I will tell you is that in those situations, in those moments, it's not because God is this. Listen, Jonah was a prophet of God. And Jonah was kept safe, right? Now, being swallowed by a fish, not on my top 10 list, makes my top 12, but not my top 10 list, okay? But God kept Jonah safe so that Jonah could continue to walk out his purpose. That's the love of the father there. The love of the father didn't say, I'm going to destroy you, Jonah, because you rebelled. The love of the Father said, I know you don't really want to be swallowed by a fish, but you're going to be swallowed by a fish, and I'm going to get you where you need to go so you could do what I've called you to do. And there are a lot of times where we're going to walk this thing out, and we're going to feel like we just got swallowed by a fish, and we're going to be mad, and we're going to feel uncomfortable, and life's going to stink. But trust the purposes of God. Because he wants to do something in every single one of these moments. Whether it is well or it is whale, it kind of works, I think. He has a purpose in it. It doesn't always make sense in the moment. It can be frustrating. It can be infuriating. 
But we, we are going to trust his way. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. Last week, uh, Bethany um, was praying and seeking the Lord. And God said this thing to her that I think is, um, is something that's really powerful for us to think through as we walk out life, as we walk out challenges and difficulties and things. And um, Bethany, Bethany felt this in her spirit that she said, you are always going to get glory, God, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when it's heavy, even when it's hard, even when we can't seem to figure things out, even though we don't see the plan, even though we don't know, you're going to get the glory. Because in all of it, he deserves it. In every moment, in every situation, in every frustration, he deserves glory. Because guess what? Even in Jonah's situation, you think about Jonah. Jonah could have been so frustrated about being in that whale, right? With, good, with, with a, an element of good reason, right? I mean, I don't know anyone that's like excited about being swallowed by a whale. You think about how Jonah went through that situation and that even out of it, you know what happened? God got glory. God always gets the glory. And you know what? It doesn't always look right. It doesn't always feel right. But I want you to pray, and I want you to think about these three things as we go into a time of prayer. The first thing I want you to think about is what is God trusting you with? See, God trusted Jonah with that message. That's why Jonah found himself in the situation that he was. But what is God trusting you with? What has he placed into your spirit, into your path, into your future? Maybe you don't see it right now. Maybe you don't fully understand it, but maybe you do. Maybe you already know. Maybe it's already in you, but you've found so many other things that have kept you from getting to that moment. What is God trusting you with? And then I want you to pray about this. Are you preparing for those types of moments? Because when we prepare for them, guys, it's so much easier to encounter them. It is so much easier. But when we wait to, listen, if, if Billy, which Billy may do this, I'm trying to watch out and make sure. If Billy came up to me today and he said, hey, man, you and me, we're running a marathon tomorrow. I know it's on his heart. I can feel it. <laughs> if Billy came to me and said, hey, dude, tomorrow we're running a marathon, I'd be like, I am not ready for that. And you all realize how horrible my breathing and uh, passing out would be if I tried to run a, run a marathon, Right. But we are running into situations like this in our life because this word, we're not putting it in. We're not getting it in us to a point that when that marathon comes, that we're ready, that we're prepared, that it's in our spirit, it's in our hearts. And the last thing I want you to think about and pray about is investing in your faith to a new level. I want us to be ready that when it comes time, that we are able to believe for something, not just believe in something. You know, um, many conversations that we've had this week about um, believing and trusting and confusion and all these things that happen. And I'll tell you that in all of it, we don't stop believing in. 
We don't stop believing in what God can do, what God is able to do, what God's word wants for us. But even when we get, when we get nipped by that lion, we know we've got we've to have this. We've got to invest in our faith to, agree that it, that it, to a degree that it rises up, that it rises up in such a powerful, powerful way in our lives.